0: Good morning! And welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are glad you tuned in today. Village Bible Church has been teaching practical ways to live based upon the truth of the Bible for over 35 years. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you'll hear this morning but we would love to have you visit in person so you can experience the warmth and friendship attenders enjoy each week. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. It's followed by a fellowship time with coffee and cookies. At 10.50 each Sunday, classes are available to encourage and equip you in your spiritual journey. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by senior pastor, Dr. Jason Lancaster. We hope this message brings encouragement to you. If you have questions, listen at the end of the sermon for contact information. Now here's Jason.
1: Proverbs 9 presents this choice between woman wisdom and woman folly. It presents in a poetic imagery of two women competing against one another for the hearts of humanity. You have woman wisdom, she's calling out to humanity, every man and woman in here. And you have woman folly, who's calling out to every man and woman in here. And we have these two women imagery, imagery, and they're competing for your heart. So here's where we're going today. Two women... Two invitations, two destinies. Will you respond to a woman wisdom or woman folly? That's where we're going. Chapter 9 of Proverbs, start in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Woman Wisdom lives in a big house with seven pillars. She has prepared this huge meal and sends out servants to invite people in. These servants could be the prophets. These servants could be preachers. These servants could be mom and dad teaching the word of God. Wisdom goes out, inviting the man and the woman in. Well, what's her invitation? Verses four and five. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. The call is to the naive person. The naive person is the uncommitted person. Perhaps there are some of you in here that are exploring Christianity. The invitation is to come in and learn. But it's also an invitation to us as believers in Jesus where we can find that we are committed to Jesus and at times we drift and the invitation is for us to come back and commit to the Lord. And then there's a destiny, so you have an invitation, right? Look at the destiny, verse 6. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. So, wisdom offers life that is entered into by forsaking folly. That is the language of repentance. As you turn away from your uncommitted life and you commit to God's ways in Jesus, then you will live. I do get concerned for myself as a believer, I get concerned for you as a believer because sometimes we can fall into these ruts of folly. We can be going along just fine following Jesus, and we can fall into these ruts of folly, and the word of God knows this. And so we have an entire book, the book of Proverbs, written to us about wisdom and, and how to not fall into these ruts of folly, and if we stay there to get out of them. And these ruts of folly laid out in the book of Proverbs can be lust, it can be adultery, it can be greed, it can be gambling, it can be drunkenness, and on and on and on and on we can find ourselves falling into these ruts of folly and non-commitment to the Lord, and it's saying, forsake your folly, repent, and find life. This is Old Testament language right here. Forsake your folly and commit. So that's woman wisdom. Sends out an invitation, and the destiny is life and forgiveness and repentance. But let's look at woman folly Look at woman folly starting in verse 13. Why don't you skip to verse 13? We'll see woman folly. Number two women. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house and on a seat by the high places of the city. So so you got to imagine, you're walking down a street, you have woman wisdom on one side calling out to you, and now woman falling is loud and obnoxious, and she tries to spread her influence over the whole town and the whole city and into your heart. And, And look at her invitation, verse 15. Calling to those who pass by, who are making their path straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says... Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She's making this invitation go out to the uncommitted who were headed straight on their way, but they seem curious by her offer. She has no meal, but only stolen water and bread that can be eaten in secret. It's like she's trying to entice you with something that is illicit and exotic, and the sin she offers seems to be exciting. But if you follow woman woman's folly, look at your destiny. Verse 17. Verse 18. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So basically what we're saying, woman's folly's house is a morgue. All who enter do not come out alive. Sin is out to use you abuse you, and kill you. And the idea is not to settle with sin. So you have two women, two invitations, two destinies. Which one will you choose? My daughter Jordan is in town. She came back from uh, college. She's 18. She was at Covenant College. She's back. And she'll be here for a few days before she goes to work all summer at a camp called Canacook. It's a camp I was saved at. Now, at Canacook... It is a context where commitments are made to forsake folly and commit to the wisdom of following Jesus. Cannecook is a controlled environment where you can really think through how you want to live your life in following Jesus. But something Jordan has observed, and I have observed, and many of you may have observed, is sometimes we can have a mountaintop experience at a camp or a retreat, in a controlled environment but when we come back down to reality many of us stray we're no longer committed to jesus we're fine at camp but once in the real world we put jesus away and we follow our own ways of the world i could think about right now at a village bible church this is a controlled environment You're hearing the word. You're singing. You're around people who love Jesus. And then when you leave this place, does your commitment still stand to Jesus as it did when you went to Sunday school here or to church here or to small group here? Or or are you a nice Christian here but a foul-mouthed man on the golf course? Are you a nice Christian here but you're at home just a, Nasty and angry woman. You need to think about it. We have two women, two invitations, two destinies, and we're talking about following Jesus on the road of wisdom or straying in an uncommitted path and falling into these ruts of folly. And so I ask you, this is, this is such a bland question, is which do you choose Everybody in here is going to say, oh, I choose the way of wisdom. Really? How do you know you choose the way of wisdom? How can you tell you choose the way of wisdom? Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he'll be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of your life will be added to you. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. So it seems to indicate that those who are accepting and responding to wisdom are, here it is, teachable. Are you teachable from God's word? No matter what's going on in your life, when God's word exposes a certain area, are you teachable or do you continue on in your ways of folly? Those who fear the Lord are teachable, And here's why. You fear the Lord when you realize that he's God and you're not. That's what fearing of the Lord looks like. Submission to him, bowing before him, realizing that I am quick. Yes, me. I'm quick to fall into ruts of folly. And I need the correction and instruction of the word of God to bring me out of that ruts for my brothers and sisters, conviction of the Holy Spirit, So those who are walking and responding to the way of wisdom are those who are teachable. They have their hearts that are soft. They have their hearts that are malleable by the word of God and the spirit of God. Now this is what I'm going to do. I am now going to make connections to the women in here. Men, listen to this as well. But this is mainly for the women. Three, I don't like to say application, but this is what we're getting at, application. Three connections to whether the women in here are accepting wisdom or abusing it. And so I'm gonna summarize this in three areas. I can put these up for you. I'm gonna talk about women of beauty, women of strength, women of destiny. Either one of those three could easily be a topic at a woman's conference, right? Right? Classic, women of destiny, we'll get there. All right, so I'm gonna put up some verses for you and I just want you, there's no need to turn, but I want you to, to listen to this, okay? The first one is woman, women of beauty. Proverbs 31:30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So a woman who realizes that God is God and she is not She walks in fear before him. She is to be praised. There's nothing wrong with attractive personality and beautiful looks, but that charming personality can be deceiving and beauty is just on the surface and fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, it was thought that Proverbs 31 was written in a culture and a context that praised beauty and nothing else. And I would think we live in a culture in a context in our world, once again, where beauty is lifted up. And so we, as a church, just say, no, it's not about beauty, it's about character. It's about fear of the Lord and walking with the Lord. And I have to admit, preachers like myself and my peers have not always done the best and emphasizing the character of the women of God. Some of my peers over the last 10 years, I know this is really embarrassing to say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. And some of you may have not heard this. You may not have been in churches or seen on social media. But some of my peers, pastors from the stage, so embarrassing to say, but they talk about their wives in terms that you just don't do publicly. Many pastors will say, I have a smoking hot wife. I always get so embarrassed saying that. But pastors say that. And here, let me tell you why that is messed up for pastors to say. First, this is what I've learned about this. It's okay to talk to your wife in private. Say you're beautiful, whatever you wanna say, okay? But if you make that stuff public, what you're telling the people in the church that to truly follow Jesus as a woman you need to be some type of gospel supermodel. And not only does that make women think they need to be a gospel supermodel, but it also makes women who have struggled with abuse or or body image, that they're somehow not living up to the norm. And just think about what that language does to little girls and daughters in a family. Just think about it as little girls. Little girls will start to wonder and think, huh, if mom's hot, what does that mean? Should I look for ways to be hot? Should I learn from my friends about hotness? And if I'm not hot, what would people think of me? What would people think of my body? And guys, I know you may not understand any of this stuff, but Lady Folly shouts loud in this area, and we have women and daughters and little girls having their minds messed with by Satan, by this world, by this internal voice that somehow they're not beautiful because they don't look a certain way, and we have to continue. Continue to demolish that message and to say a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, and that's the point. So I ask the forgiveness of the women in here if men in your life or men in the church have given anything other indication that have not elevated the fear of the Lord. We want to encourage you in that. The second area is the idea of women of strength, Women of strength, let me put this up to you. This is consider uh, Proverbs 31, 17 and 25. Let me see if I have this, okay. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. So it's not her clothing line that makes her strong and secure. It's her character. She's not anxious about future calamities or hardships, but she laughs at them because she is walking in the strength of the Lord. Over the last few years, there's been a movement, I'm sure this is nothing new in the, in the history, of trying to elevate the strength of women. There was even one fashion designer who turned one of his lines into something called savage beauty where he would create these aggressive clothes for women. He even had a jacket that women would wear on their, pro, you know, during their runaway shows of a jacket and the shoulder pads were two baby alligator heads to project the strength of women. It's almost like saying, don't mess with women. Because at times the women feel vulnerable, when they feel insecure, there are the ways that you may tempt to feel strong and secure. Sometimes you may project it through things you say, you may project it through things you wear, that, or you may project it by turning to things that will bring you comfort, that make you feel strong and secure. And what we're seeing is that a woman who fears the Lord, who finds her strength in the Lord, that is the one who has true strength. Well, this past week, you may have heard that the Supreme Court had some type of leak that seems to indicate there is a pro-life ruling that will reduce abortion. And I have seen women on TV, women on social media, be so upset and try to project strength through outrage and anger so that the murders of babies can continue in our land. And I want to say that that's not true strength. That's demonic. But I want you to think about this. <laughs> true women of strength, when you think about vulnerable women who are having children, true women of strength will do this. They'll step in and they'll help that woman, okay? We know that, right? True women of strength will say, you know what? Not only will I step in and help you, but we as a church across the country, we want to say we will welcome in vulnerable children into our lives through adoption, foster care, whatever it is. And we want to take it to another level. We want to say that there is so much grace in the gospel that women who have had abortions can be forgiven and find grace in Jesus. That is true strength when you have a woman or a man who is saying, I'm going to here to care for you. I'm here to care for your kids. There's forgiveness and there is grace. That is true strength. And the last one is women of destiny. Two women, two invitations, two destinies. Let's finish up with this verse, Proverbs 14.1. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Well, initially we talked about personified woman, wisdom building her house. Now at the end, we got an actual real life woman building her house or tearing it down. One person, a woman, I'm talking to women in here, you create this destiny of significance but you can also create a destiny of destruction. Think back to the women you know in your life, mothers, grandmothers. Do you know any of them who've created destinies of destruction that's still impacting you right now? And you're thinking, well, I want to have destiny of significance. Significance. And you know the way you have a destiny of significance? This is really hard. It's through investing in people with love. It can be if, you're, if, you're, if you've got kids, your kids, your husband. If you're not married, it could be people in your life, your neighbors. But here is where it gets real difficult. I am wondering, is there anyone in here Having a hard time loving someone right now. Oh, anybody, anybody. So we're saying that to have a destiny of significance comes through investing in others, and yet we realize that some people are very difficult to love. That's why you have to remember that verse in the Bible that says that God will never give you more than you can handle. That's not in the Bible. We always say, God will never give me more than I can handle. No, he'll give you far more than you can handle. Have you read the Bible? Look at the famous characters of Moses. Far beyond that he can handle. David. Just go through the line. That's what God does. He gives us far more than we can handle. But why? Why? so that we depend not on ourselves, but upon him. And if you're having a hard time loving difficult people and you're just making it worse, it could be because you're depending upon yourself and not on the Lord. Those who depend upon the Lord and even loving difficult people are investing and in creating this destiny of Significance. Two women, two invitations, two destinies. Do you receive, and are you teachable, and are your heart is it malleable to the work of the Lord? And that's what we all want. And to all the women in here, who have had messages thrown at you, lies of the devil, lies of the world, and lies you believe about yourself, by God's grace, may those become more and more demolished every day. And so what I want to do here at the end, I want to tell you ladies in here what God thinks about you. This is truth for the women in here and truth for the men in here who follow Jesus. I want to pray over you what God thinks about you. So you can demolish the lies of Satan, the lies of the world, and the lies in your own head. So if you wouldn't mind, let's all bow our heads. And I want to briefly tell you what God thinks about you. God says that in Christ, you are no longer condemned. Stop condemning yourself. Stop doing the thing over and over again in your head where you're condemning yourself. Stop listening to the lies of others. In Christ, you're no longer condemned. In Christ, you are forgiven. Even of your most wickedest sin that you've never told Anybody about. Even of the sins that can't plague you right now in your 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s that you did back in your 20s, you are forgiven. The Word of God says that you are pure. You are pure in the sense that God sees you in the purity of Christ and his absolute obedience to the commands of God. In Christ, you are clean. Impure, which means that in Christ you are accepted. You don't have to do tricks and jump through hoops to get God to accept you. He accepts you in Jesus. You are chosen. That means that God picked you. He didn't pick you because you're a good person. He didn't pick you because he thought you would do great things for him. The Bible says that he picked you out of love, which means that you are secure. In Christ, you are secure. Maybe you had a mom who was very moody every day and you didn't know from one day to the next whether she would accept you or not. But in Christ, the Father says you are secure. You have been redeemed. You've been redeemed from a wayward way of life. You've been redeemed from an empty life. You've been redeemed out of fallen Satan. You are now been bought with a price. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The old you is dead and gone. The old you has been crucified and is buried in God. You are a new creation in Christ, which means you're embraced, not pushed away. The Bible says that you have been adopted. You have been adopted by a father who has made it legal, legal. There is no unadoption. There is no severing of this adoption. Your father has adopted you and brought you into the family. Not because of you looking like you were going to be a good daughter or a good son. He adopted you in love. You have been justified. Not just just as you've never sinned. No, you've been justified. You've been imputed the righteousness of Christ, which means the father sees you, In the righteousness of Christ as one who has never sinned, who's kept the law perfectly, you've been justified. And that means you are complete. You don't need to turn to any man. You don't need to turn to any woman. You don't need to turn to a job. You don't need to turn to any drug or anything else to find your completeness that is in Jesus. And you are perfect. In Christ, you are perfect. You can stand before a holy God Because in Christ, he sees you absolutely as perfect in him. Which means all these are true because you are loved. You don't need to search for love. You don't need to seek it in wayward places. You are loved.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org. There you can find a lot of additional information about Village Bible Church. What you can only experience with a live visit is the warmth and friendship of the people of VBC. We recommend a visit soon. You will be welcomed. Our Sunday services start at 9.15 a.m. You will enjoy the mix of blended worship music and a practical biblical message like you heard today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at or call us at 922-0404. That's 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.